0: Welcome to Done with Debauchery, a podcast hosted by Denise and Keisha, two friends who share intimate conversations about alcohol and drug use, struggling with sobriety, and our personal paths to wellness.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Done with Debauchery. I'm Keisha, and this is my co host, Denise. Hi there. You've probably heard the popular expression everything in moderation. The expression is basically telling us to avoid extremes in our behavior, and at the surface, this sounds like pretty good advice. But is drinking in moderation actually a good idea, and is it even possible for everyone? On today's episode, we're going to discuss just that, and share some of our personal experiences of trying to moderate our own drinking and the controversial label of a relapse. Let's get into it. For me, moderating was the first step that I took when I was trying to change my drinking habits or really assess my relationship with alcohol. So it definitely started a few years ago, likely in my mid-20s, um, I would sort of set like boundaries or rules for myself based around drinking. So whether that would be limiting the number of drinks I would have in a night, uh, not allowing myself to do any shots, uh, never drinking alone at home, just lots of little rules that I felt like if I was able to stay within these rules that I set out, that would mean that I had my drinking under control. Uh, I feel like, I set these rules and the majority of the time I wasn't able to actually drink within them, which just led me to feel even worse about the decisions I was making regarding alcohol. Yeah, because
0: I think once you set a rule and then you continually are unable to follow through on that real, rule, you're depreciating your own self-trust because yeah. you're unfortunately unable to stay accountable to this promise that you've you've set for yourself, but you know, it's almost such an unrealistic expectation to take a substance that reduces your inhibitions <laughs> and increases pleasure hormones yes. so that you want more, but then also expect yourself to have stronger willpower and follow through on- While on, under the influence. On, yeah, while you've reduced your inhibitions and your decision-making capabilities um, and reduced, you know, your willpower to be able to follow through on this promise that- a, I would only have three drinks, or B, I'm not gonna have any shots. Well, once yeah. you had four drinks, are you actually gonna say no to the shots? Never. No. no. Um, so, but I think everybody can really relate to to what you're saying, probably in one way or another, whether they would classify themselves as someone with substance use disorder, or you know, are binge drinkers, or are actually just moderate drinkers. I think a lot of people try to moderate their use and set limitations with how much they're gonna consume and. Oftentimes, probably go above and beyond that amount. Yeah. I know for me, I've been trying to moderate uh, my drinking for years, like probably over a decade. And I would say ninety-five to ninety-eight percent of the time, I was unsuccessful in following through on that. Just like you, I would make all kinds of rules, and I think part of that is to establish like control and a safety mechanism. You know, once you've established rules. Um, it somehow feels safer, like you're in control, even whether or not you follow through on, on those rules or yeah. not. But it's like, yeah, don't drink on, you know, Monday to Thursday. But then, you know, an event pops up on Thursday and then it's like, okay, well, I just won't drink on Saturday that day, you know, that You week. start making exceptions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so I do think, though, that moderation also was a way of avoiding, and actually still is for me now, is like an idea that pops up into my head, and it's like a way of avoiding having to accept the fact that I may not ever be able to drink, because that feels very scary, overwhelming. Yeah, Yeah, like it's like a forever thing that you're going to have to battle and always have these urges or thoughts, or you're going to be discluded. And so, you know, I think a lot of thoughts pop into my mind still currently that, I am going to be able to moderate and that things are going to be different. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you revisit your, like <laughs> an ex-boyfriend, you just remember the good
1: times. Yeah, and you, all you all romanticize the, the relationship <laughs> exactly. and you only remember the good, the fun times. You don't remember that, that first like really dark episode where of course, like you did go outside of those limits and something shitty happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you don't, you forget how it feels like when you, you know, you broke a promise to yourself or, you know, a really terrible hangover. And I think that's what gets like, sneaky sometimes a little bit after you have some time under your belt is like that you start to forget how shitty you were feeling because there's actually been so much space and time between the last time you felt that way versus now
1: yeah you you get this almost false sense of confidence like if I've been able to abstain fully for this amount of time I must actually have a real control over this substance in my life so I know for myself, like the first time that I actually tried to completely go sober was in 2020 or (laughs) (laughs) no, when was it? I think it was, no. So it was last year. It was 2021. It started as dry January Mm -hmm. and I started feeling really good about four weeks in that I ended up committing and doing three months. And then from there, I really felt like my relationship with alcohol had changed because I was able to stop for those three months. So I did start drinking again a little bit. And again, it quickly did spiral into an uncomfortable relationship that I felt like drinking at home alone, like having wine more evenings than I wanted to. So I put that firm stop on it again and that kind of took us into the summer of last year where I had been sober for 99 days and you and I had this like cottage weekend that we had planned where we booked this like beautiful little cottage just you and I and our dogs on the water and we were both not drinking at the time. No
0: and I think we were feeling pretty confident that it was going to be uh, easy because we were both ki- like had been you know sober committed. for a few months at that time there was no intention of uh reintroducing alcohol uh back into our you know into our lives at that time and then it all changed <laughs> <laughs> no but truthfully yeah it did like on that drive up like you know we both started to want to have some wine and And some rosé. we were
1: just having a good time we were having fun we were excited about the cottage and the possibilities and we felt like it was a safe space because we were going to be secluded at this property there was no real opportunity for things to get out of hand there was no opportunity for us to get drugs or anything like that so at least for me it felt like a safe space to start experimenting or reintroducing alcohol
0: yeah and I you know what I don't think I really spent a lot of time thinking about it it's I kind of we made a decision in the moment without really thinking through uh what opening that door back up would mean for for both of us for our time at the cottage and maybe for you know the next handful of, of months to come and I think that's kind of a trick that your mind plays on you because you get this thought in your mind that's like Hey, I'd like to have a drink of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then the next thought that pops into your mind is like, yeah, we're, we 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 are going to, you know, we're going to be able to just have one or two. Yeah. And you start to like believe those thoughts and I think those thoughts start to become your reality and then it, you know, it it is like what's the harm? You know, I have things under control. I've had it under control for a little while now and you start to believe your thought instead of actually maybe taking some space and distancing from that thought and you know, really, kind of questioning it from from like from a curious standpoint. And I think when you're in the moment, when when I was in the moment when we made that decision to drink, I didn't take any time or space. I just accepted those thoughts and like was fun, and I wanted to do that as as the way that it was. And away we went to the liquor store to to get some wine. And it all started out as we were getting one bottle
1: of wine. We were gonna have two drinks each. Already trying to moderate it <laughs> yeah, before like, oh we God. even got it in our possession. But
0: I think that's how we convinced ourselves it was also okay is that yeah. like we had like we had these like false control mechanisms that made us feel like we had the situation under control mm-hmm. and in hindsight you know I was saying to Keisha that there are so many like red flags. We obviously went into the liquor store and and immediately bought more than one bottle of wine. I think we walked out with three. Yeah. And then the first night of just having two glasses of wine upon our, uh, you know, arrival, obviously we drank more than that. Yeah. And even went back to the liquor store, like, two days later. And so, no, we weren't, like, drinking to get trashed, but as soon as we opened that can of worms, it, like, it was just kind of, like, free-flowing. And I guess my point is more that... Moderation doesn't have to be a specific amount or number, but when you set an intention and then you are unable to follow through on it, regardless of what that intention is or was, is you have to ask yourself, do you really have the ability
1: to moderate? Yeah am I in control of this situation, which was a hard no looking back at it. And I do remember in the moment and on the drive up when we were sort of, it started as joking about going and getting a bottle of wine. And I was having an internal dialogue where I was so proud of my 99 days of not drinking. It was the longest that i had ever gone without drinking for as long as I can remember and I was like so I had my heart set on getting to that 100 day milestone mm. so I was going back and forth but in the moment like that that thought of like just having a nice glass of rosé at our cottage that was called the rosé <laughs> <laughs> it I just like that. really it took over and it made me feel like yeah like you can definitely control this and then go back to not drinking You'll be fine.
0: And and that was the intention. Like, we were supposed to only have the one bottle of wine on the one night and we weren't going to drink the rest of the time because we had been feeling so good. But you also, I think, underestimate the length of time that you had taken prior to that, which is many years of creating those, like, pleasure pathways in your brains. And as soon as you, like, re, you know, turn those things back on, like, I think that the, they're very powerful. We're yeah. more powerful than your willpower. Um. Is so what I think is also really important to highlight is that it's also a sneaky progression. So it's not like you wake up the next day and you're like, you know, shit, I'm unable to moderate. Um, you know, I made this this huge mistake, but it's like, at least in my experience, is that like your drinking tolerance and those bingey type tendencies and behaviors are gradual increases. week by week. So I don't really think like major binges started to happen again for me probably until we were like a couple months past that point where we reintroduced alcohol. I agree. And 10 years ago when I didn't drink for well over a year – I made the decision to obviously reintroduce alcohol into my life, and you know what? I was a very moderate drinker, uh, like having one to two drinks for like a year, maybe even two years, but you know, then I had three drinks, and then I would get drunk occasionally or binge drink occasionally, but then those times started to be- become closer and closer together, and... I had, you know, less and less concerns for my behavior. So I guess my point is just that it can change very slowly over time. And at least for me in the type of drinker or substance user that I am is that it, it is a slippery slope. Like it actually took almost eight years, maybe even 10 years for me to get back into a drinking and substance use, like binging tendency where I felt like I really had to fully abstain again and reevaluate my behaviors. Yeah. So when you look back on our decision to open the door and drink that weekend, you know, if you knew it was going to be this what, snowball to, yeah, snowball, yeah. and four to six months of kind of struggle, because I think for a good portion of that, there was this intention to stop drinking and then not following through. And then that going, yeah. at least I know for me, that's what was going on for the last six months or so. Yeah, me too.
1: Um, would you have opened that can of worms? Was it worth it? Yeah, I, I mean, no. Looking back at it, of course, like we always say, hindsight is twenty twenty. But if I knew that, like my my decision in that moment would take me so long to get back to those ninety nine days that I was so proud of, I I wouldn't have started. But I do think that you made a really good point in saying that for that one year, like you were able to moderate at some point and not to say that it's not possible for anyone but i think that just for us and like what our relationship has evolved into with alcohol we now know for a fact that it's not possible for us but for some people they may find value in taking that break whether it be 99 days a year and then they can come back and fully moderate but and I just know that for me, that's not what it looks like
0: at at this time. You yeah, know? and you know, I do know people that have fully cut out substance substances um, and alcohol for a number of years, and then are have been able to reintroduce it in a very moderate sense. So I think it is highly, highly personalized. And when I was looking, you know, and. Thinking about moderation, I found some information online that said that moderation was successful or can be successful with problem drinkers, but not with people that classify with alcohol use disorder. And I just thought that was such a blanket statement because I don't identify with alcohol use disorder, but I yeah. would kid- consider myself. A problem drinker because I think a problem drinker is somebody who binges or is possibly, you know, a gray area drinker. And to say that you need to wait until your problem drinking becomes substance use disorder before you would evaluate whether or not moderation works for you was just such a weird statement. I was like, this makes absolutely no (laughs) sense. Like, you should wait until that rock bottom moment. Wait until it's a (laughs) crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Until you lose everything and your life is in total chaos. And I think that problem drinkers are really the ones that should be evaluating whether they can moderate.
1: Yeah, before it gets to that point, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Upon reintroducing alcohol, the conditions in your life could be, you know, very low stress at that time. And you may be fully able to moderate or drink, you know, in a in a responsible way during that time. But as we've all experienced over the past 2 years, there, you know, unexpected life stresses like COVID or relationships or career stress can pop up at any time. And I think for me one of the things that is really important is like setting myself up so that when those things happen in my life, I'm able to cope and handle them in the healthiest way that I can. And In my previous experience over the last 10 years, when I've had alcohol in my life and have been, you know, even maybe in a position that I'm drinking responsibly, I'm the type of person that when those life stresses increase, so does my substance use. So I think it's like you really also have to ask yourself if, you know, if moderation is possible for you, should your life uh, situation unexpectedly change?
1: Yeah, I love that and I think that it's so true and it even, I like, I relate to it in when I was trying to moderate my drinking... For me, like 2020 was a really rough year and I did suffer some pretty significant losses. And the next year, like when I was even trying to moderate, I still felt the impacts of those emotional traumas that I experienced. And I definitely was using alcohol and substances as a way to try and escape. So yeah, maybe at the beginning I was able to moderate, but as those stresses builded up and things just felt overwhelming, it was the one sort of not a resource but the one escape that i've used consistently over the last few years that has sort of always been there no matter what i'm going through it's like that crutch you could always fall back on yeah you essentially are setting the stage
0: for an unhealthy coping mechanism to become you know the coping mechanism that you you lean on yeah. in those in those situations and and i think with people that tend to drink a little more than they should whether that's from like a social partying aspect is that you know it it, I think it does tend to be the direction that you take when your life situation changes the other thing about moderation is that I find personally that when I set these intentions to moderate or drink, you know, one drink or two drink, then when I'm out in social circumstances, I literally spend the entire time thinking about this rule I've set my for myself for consumption. So, I'm not even able to be present with mm-hmm. the in these, you know, I'm thinking of a dinner or even just like a work event or whatever it is because I'm so focused on not having more, or the drink, and following through on these moderating rules I've laid out for myself, and that honestly does not feel like freedom to me. It's more uncomfortable than just having an urge to want alcohol, reminding myself that I'm absolutely having none, and then Having resentment, but
1: accepting (laughs) that that's the way and just
0: moving on with it. Because for me, moderation is like half in, half out. And I find I spend the whole time almost arguing and like weighing weighing one way or the other about what I'm doing. I'm in this total push and pull throughout the
1: whole experience. Yeah. Do I stick to the rules <laughs> that I set for myself or is it okay to bend them just a Should little bit slower? this one I time? Yes, I, I feel the, the, the same worst. and I almost get like fixated on like, fixated, the number of obsessed. drinks. How many I, have I had? Can I maximize like the alcohol percentage intake by switching to a different liquor? Should I have a shot instead of a <laughs> glass of wine? I, I totally get that. And it just makes it the whole experience of whatever you're doing just so much less enjoyable. You're not present at all. You're not
0: in the experience. Yeah. You are in your head in a negotiation. That's what it... Moderation for me becomes a negotiation. And I actually find a very similar thing with diet mentality. is just that pull and push. Can I remove this and add this in? Oh, that glass of wine was small. Like, there's just this calculation negotiation that's yeah. going on constantly. And honestly, that doesn't feel freeing. And part of why... I wanted to remove alcohol from my life is because I want to have freedom from it, freedom from some of the things that it takes away from me, but freedom of also like this compulsion of wanting to have it all the time. And so moderation honestly adds more negotiation, stress, thinking into my life than just removing it fully.
1: And for me personally, if I've set those moderation rules, and then I'm constantly not achieving them, I am not only now beating myself up for like having that anxiety and feeling shitty the next day, but also letting myself down repeatedly in more ways and feeling like what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I just go out and feel satisfied after one or two glasses of wine like everybody else?
0: Yeah, and I think that affects your confidence in other aspects of your life, too. It doesn't just stay pigeonholed into, you know, shit, I'm not able to say I'm going to have two glasses of wine and not follow through on it. You start to, like, lose confidence towards, like, doing things in your career yeah. or, like, you know, even in so- social circumstances and all kinds of things that, you know, you would need to be able to count on yourself and believe in yourself to to be able to achieve. Yeah, So at the time when we made the decision to drink at the cottage, I was speaking to and seeing a therapist, and I remember he called our reintroduction of alcohol at the cottage a relapse. I was livid with the label. (laughs) I too was (laughs) mad. (laughs) Because I think that that word relapse, just like the word alcoholic, the alcoholic carries like such a negative connotation. And I guess because I don't necessarily associate with the label of an addict, I didn't really like having my behavior change decision labeled as something like a relapse.
1: Yeah, because in that moment, we felt like we were making an intentional conscious decision to stop and go get wine. And like we were fully in control of this scenario. It's not like it was extenuating circumstances and we couldn't control ourselves. We chose that behavior. So, but then, you know,
0: when we look up a definition of a relapse online, it very much fits the definition. You know, it's controlling a behavior, moving into a state of no control. And it starts as a slip, but then moves into relapse. And what I thought was so interesting is of about that is that yeah, we probably if it was just a slip, you know, you we would have drank that weekend, been like oh shit, and then just stop. Yeah. But the reality was is that the controlled behavior stays in a moderate controlled state for a, a, a an amount of time, and it can be I think a long amount of time yeah. before it, it moves back into this state of less or no no control yeah and so at the moment you know very close in time to when we actually reintroduced reintroduced alcohol I was not ready to accept that as a relapse but now just knowing and being in the experience of how hard it was to stop drinking again it literally was a five-month struggle to fully stop again um I do feel like it was it was a relapse What are your thoughts?
1: Again, like automatically, like I want to say, no, it's not a relapse. I don't identify that. But hearing you read the definition and like relating to that, I guess it would be called a relapse for me. It's not so important to put that like label on it. But to like acknowledge what you said, that it was so hard for both of us to get back to a place where we even had, like, a week of not drinking. Like, it felt like such a struggle, and I remember we would put – almost like a joke like a like a very light boundary like we're not gonna drink tonight we're not gonna drink this week like joking about failing all the time about sobriety like that was the normal language in
0: our conversation it was
1: just easier to joke about it than to actually Mm -hmm. like look at each other and be like why can't we get a handle on this like what do we need to do differently it's just easier to joke about it than to actually like make hard decisions and have those personal conversations with yourself about like is this behavior like aligning with what I want overall for my life. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think you know there there's like I there are some things that set you up to use again and you may not be realizing that some of the things that you're doing on a daily basis are actually setting this this relapse or this reintroduction of the substance or alcohol back in motion and some I think it starts in an emotional level where you may not be taking proper care of yourself so you may not be actually taking the time to meet your needs so you know at that time you're probably not even thinking yet about reintroducing wine but there is like this like slight bubbling under the surface of you know maybe you're not you know, maybe you're experiencing less social activity than you were before and, you know, maybe you're not spending enough downtime, like, meditating or connecting to yourself or maybe connecting to nature or whatever those things are that really you need to feel grounded. And then from there, I think you start to, start to miss the substance. So you start to, like, think about it, yeah. right? And, um, you know, maybe that's what happened when we were driving to the cottage is, like, you know, in the past... A lot of times at cottages, like, you know, there's fun and day drinking, drinking and like, on the dog. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe there was this like lack of self-care and then putting ourselves in these like emotional situations where we were triggered or cued. And then and then making the action or taking the action to actually physically use the substance. So I do feel like when you look at some of the stages and things like that, it it does like it fully lines up. The, yeah. the label makes my skin <laughs> crawl, too. So I, I, I fully agree with you. But I do have to say that if I could go back in time, um, you know, I don't I don't think I would have opened the can of worms at the cottage. Um, you know, obviously, I'm very grateful for, you know, the lessons and the learning and the experience. I can see all those things within it and who knows, maybe we wouldn't have this podcast if, uh, you know, that can of worms didn't get reopened, but it was really hard to stop. Again, the most hard that it's ever been for me and I feel like I've been on and off, on and off with substances for the last 10 years.
1: Yeah. And, And I feel like for me as well, like it was so hard, I feel like because again, like I was going through so many different things in my personal life between like- COVID, a change in my work. There was just so many things that it was just so overwhelming. And it, it was like, fuck it. Yeah. What does it matter?
0: Yeah, I kind of felt like it was like the only fun thing, really. Yeah. Um, And it's like, you know, and it's fun until it's not. But yeah, there were so many other uncomfortable things going on, I think, in both of our lives. And uh, yeah, it was just really... Fully a, a coping me- mechanism that felt fun in the moment, mm-hmm. but the after effects were were definitely not fun. Yeah, yeah. So, do you feel like you have any early identifiers that you could pinpoint now that you know in the future maybe kind of leading you down that path to be tricked into the reintroduction of alcohol? I won't use the word relapse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like honestly, like. I, as much as, like, we just talked about, like, setting those boundaries and those, like, timelines, like, can't, are not necessarily always helpful, I think for me, in a moment of, like, wanting to drink, I do need to put, like, a limit on it, and, like, for me, number one, I never have alcohol in the house, so if I am going to drink, it's going to be a very intentional decision, but it's, like... What else can I do in that moment that's going to make me feel good? Like, can I go for a walk with my dog? Can I work out? Do I just need to have a bath? And finding other things that soothe my nervous system and, and make me feel good in that moment. So at the end, like, am I still really wanting that glass of wine or was I needing some sort of comfort?
0: Yeah, and and I feel like most of the time, especially when it's like I find an urge like that, um it's that I'm needing some other kind of soothing or comfort. Like I haven't taken some time to like ground myself and just kind of like settle myself down. So, you know, yeah, taking your dog for a walk or like having a bath, all those things that you said, it's like usually after you do those things I, I don't care that much or I don't want, I'm not riding an urge that way
1: anymore. And I think that like, that's great for when you're alone, like at home and going through those feelings. But there's also that second layer of when you're in a social event or like, let's say we were at the cottage with a group of other people and they're drinking and like, you're the one person who's not. For me, it's really important to have a variety of non-alcoholic drinks available. Like, I, my non-alcoholic <laughs> drink purchasing has gone quite out of hand. I will be photographing it for you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, those are the things that, like, I need something to reach for that is going to be delicious. It's going to make me feel like I'm included in the party and that I'm not missing out. Yeah,
0: and I think I think what's really important in those situations are a few things. One is like knowing if you have the capacity to be in those situations. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of that ties back into that self-care aspect cuz I know if I'm not prioritizing my self-care and really doing the work to meet my needs, that I am not going to have the capacity to be in a situation like that that is triggering and then stay accountable to myself because I'm already depleted. The other thing is is I am being so, so strict about only saying yes to social, social situations when I feel fully aligned and I'm excited about them. Um, otherwise when I'm kind of feeling like, I don't want to go do that. Like it it does put me in a situation where I'm more inclined to be like, fuck it, I'm going to drink. And that's probably because I'm not like doing things that are aligned and what's best for me. So then the drinking thing is like, who even fucking cares? You know, I already kind of made a decision that wasn't the right one for me. Um, so I think really checking in with yourself to make sure that the situations that you're putting yourself in are ones that, that really like light you up and that they're ones that you want to be in. And then I think also you really, really need to think about your future self. Like, is the fu- the future person that you're trying to be- become going to be happy if you make a decision to have some drinks with your friend on that dock? Or, you know, are are you gonna be happier if if you stay accountable to your decision to to abstain? Yeah. What am I giving up in exchange for this glass of wine? Exactly. And I think the important thing is to play the tape until the end because it's not what am I giving up in this moment, which maybe feels like this false sense of connection while everybody is not inebriated or maybe just you kind of feeling not fully included in the party. But it's like when you play the tape until the end, and what I mean by the end is 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 it five months of struggling to close that door on the alcohol again? It's not just that one day, that one time. Is it, you know, is there... Or even the next day, the hangover. No, exactly. So it's really taking into account, like, the full effect that opening that can of worms um, is going to have and the possibilities. And is that actually worth it?
1: This is Keisha and Denise signing off on another episode of Done With Debauchery. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share and subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at Done With Debauchery. See you next time.